He's made a simple way that we can all get in. Smart, ignorant, it doesn't make a bit of difference to him. He just made it so anybody can get in. Hallelujah. And that included me when he done it like that. Praise God. And I don't want to preach to you about just plain old setting a course. Setting a course. And you know, just real simple. Setting a course. You know, we sing tonight about how they said uh, that leaving all to follow Jesus. Now, Abram, you know, he was in the earth of the Chaldees there, and God spoke to him and said, I want you to get up and get out of this place. Yeah. No wonder. They excavated that land and found all kinds of idol gods and various things. Why, a good friend of ours, Brother Marvin Arnold, he went over there and said, he, he told me, he said, I stood right in Abraham's living room. Said, why? Well, I don't know, he can't prove it to me one way or the other, but he said that they had found in those houses that they'd excavated it over in the corner of one particular corner of those houses, had a little hole cut out in there, kind of like a safe deposit box. They didn't have uh, parchments and uh, tablets and all those things like we have today in the form of paper or something like that, but they had clay tablets in those days, and they have a clay tablet with the title deed printed right on it. And they said they have found Abraham's title deed to his property. When God called him out of there, he didn't even sell his house. He just got up and left. <laughs> Hallelujah. He was anxious to go. And why? Because he was a righteous man. Amen. What made him righteous? First of all, that he just believed God. Hallelujah. Amen. You know that you're never good enough to get saved. I said you'll never be good enough to go to heaven. You've never ever done anything worthwhile in your life to merit for yourself an opportunity of salvation. You know what caused you to have that right to be saved? Faith. That's all. You just, you just believed that you could be. You just believed that what God said was right. And you just cast in on that benefit. Just faith. That's all that gave you the opportunity to come to God. If any man come to God, he must first believe that God is, or that he is, it says, and then he must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And if you can believe that, you have all that you need to find your way to God. Yes. Oh. Amen. Along with a godly sorrow. Faith. Faith that takes that. You can't even repent without faith. That's right. Hallelujah. Everything concerning God, everything has to deal with faith. And where do you get it? You can't even have it on your own. I know the Bible said God's given every man uh, a measure of faith. But you know where it came from? It came from God. On your own, you don't even have enough faith to find God. The Bible said we're saved by grace through faith. And that, not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. And God has given you a seed faith to help you find your way to God. And if he hadn't chose to do that for you, then you wouldn't have an opportunity to find him. Amen. Everything we have, we owe it to God. You say, I've got faith. You better be careful what you say because it came from him. He gave it to you. He gave you that seed faith. Amen. It's kind of like a down payment to get started in business. Some of you said, well, I gave you $10,000 and just let you get started. God just gave us that. Amen. See what we'd do with it, whether we'd waste it or whether we'd use it. Some folks have wasted it. I said some folks have wasted it, and they haven't used it for the purpose God gave it to them. Amen. Hallelujah. So God spoke to Abram, and he said, get up, get out of here. He said, if you believe me, I'll take you to a place. I'll show you a land that I'll give you. And I'll give you seed like the sand of the seashore. 
And he said, I believe you. And God said, you're righteous. Because you believe me. He counted it for righteousness. He gave him the initial whatever it was that God was looking for to make him uh, eligible. Amen. For the blessings of God. So he left all. Followed Jesus. Except he took a lot along. That was a mistake. Hallelujah. <laughs> because you see down the road there, they got into a strife. Amen. The herdsman got the fussing over the land because there wasn't enough grass growing to feed all the flocks that was there. And there was already some other people living in that land anyway. And so Abraham, being a righteous man, a just man, and not wanting to have problems, he went to Lot and he said, Now, Lot, let's don't have no trouble. He said, Let's get along. He said, I'll tell you what, said, uh, let's just kind of separate or we can visit one another and, uh, you know, and be friendly and everything. We kind of have family reunions now and then, but let's just go on live right here in the same, uh, you know, uh, little old field. Well, let's kind of separate. said, now, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a choice. You go to the left, I'll just go to the right. You go to the right, I'll just go to the left. Just go the opposite way. We'll just separate ourselves here. And uh, so he gave him that choice. And like God always says, he gives everybody a choice. Hallelujah. He really does. Now, in this choice that God gave a man, he, he doesn't really influence him too much. He just simply gives him a choice. He just shows him what's here and what's there. And says, now, it's up to you. Amen. And, uh, you know, the only influence you ever get from God is like that wee small voice. Why, the devil, there's many voices. The Bible said there's many voices. Isn't that right? The Bible talks about seducing spirits. Isn't that right? And you don't have to be listening very much to hear the cry of this world and to hear the cry of Satan. He's screaming in your ear. Constantly. I said Satan is constantly screaming in your ear, propositioning you and giving you all kinds of bits for your soul. Satan is doing that. You don't even have to. You can try not to hear Satan, and you'll hear him anyway. But if you're going to hear God, you've got to be listening. You've got to be endeavoring to hear from God. It's not just a mere accident that you hear from God. You must have your ear turned to the proper frequency to hear from God. Because his voice, he's not rude. He doesn't come in there uh, like a flood. That's what the enemy does. But our God is that wee, small voice. And if you listen very carefully, he'll talk to you hear from him. Amen. And I don't know, maybe Abraham had heard that wee small voice. Amen. But look, he began to look. He began to look. And he began to look around for the best that he could see. And he looked down toward those, those well-watered plains down there, you know. And, and it, looked like, it looked like the Garden of Eden. It looked like uh, the best land in Egypt. It was just wonderful land. And he said, wow, that's beautiful down there. He, and so he started down that way and got near there, just overlooking the cities down there somewhere. Sodom and Gomorrah was just off in the distance. At night he could hear the cry of the city. You know what he did? He pitched his tent with the door facing in that direction. Amen. Now, so far, he hadn't done anything wrong, had he? He just looked at what seemed to be the best thing and just, you know, kind of made a business decision on this matter. And just, you know, kind of pitched his tent in that direction, just kind of set his sails and sail in that direction. And so he, he, every night about sundown, he could, hear the, he could hear everybody getting off work and the parties going on, he could see the bright lights, the flash, and whatever was going on down at the cities of Sodom. And Gamal, they were just off in the distance, and just little by little, he began to work his way down. We find 
and eventually he found himself down there in the city gate. He was sitting there while he'd even gotten into the politics of that area. Why, he was one of the city elders. He was, maybe he was the commissioner. I have no idea what he was for sure, but he helped some kind of an office in the town. Sitting there when the angels came, I believe. He was, he was one of the elders of the city. Amen. Amen. But we find that Lot headed for the high country. Up there where he could, he could see all right, but he wasn't too interested about seeing the cities. He didn't pitch his tent door that way. No, sir. Because evidently he had a different frequency he was tuned to. Because whenever it got time for God to, to lay a judgment down upon the wickedness of man, who did God come to? None other but Abraham. He came there. He stood and talked with Abraham in the, in the door of his tent. While Lot was down there looking out the tent door, gazing at the and he found himself down there after a while. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know what? You say, well, there's a lot of opposition. I realize there's a lot of opposition. I know as well as you do there are. There's a lot of opposition. But opposition can be a great asset if you'll just set your sail right. Praise God. It really can. You know, the Bible says you can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Hallelujah. The winds of opposition, you know what they'll do? They'll only carry you higher and higher and higher on to your destination if you set your sail right. Right. Like a kite. You get that kite there, you know, the wind, that, op that opposing wind, that's what carries that kite on up, higher and higher and higher. You know that opposition will cause you to grow in God if you will just apply it right? Somebody said, I don't know if I can make it. It's getting rougher and rougher. You know what? The same opposition that's dragging you down is flying somebody else higher. Praise God. You can turn everything, everything into a blessing of growth. Amen. And prosperity and the spiritual things of God. You'll only make a proper application of those things. Hallelujah. Amen. Let the wind blow against that kite. That's all right. You get, a, you, get the, you get the tail on there right. You get the kite built strong enough. You got a good strong string. It won't go any water up. And the harder the wind blows, the higher it flies. You know what it was that caused the church to grow as much as it did? Somebody said, man, it was really something. 80,000. You know what Jesus said? He said this gospel is going to be preached in all the world. That's right. And he said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, under the uttermost parts of the earth. After three years, it was still in Jerusalem. That's all the place, as far as it got, three years was still in Jerusalem. And, uh, they had 80,000. He said, boy, whoopee, that's great. 80,000, three years. That's a pretty good-sized church, isn't it? 80,000. That's what, that's what history says. And, uh, it's doing pretty good, but that wasn't the will of God. So persecution came. And you know what it did? It just performed the will of God. It just spread it throughout the world. It went from Jerusalem on to Judea and to Samaria, and then finally under the uttermost parts of the earth. You know what? Because opposition came. It was the greatest blessing that ever came against the church. Opposition was the greatest thing that ever happened to the church because it spread it throughout the whole known world of its day. 
Amen. Opposition can be a great asset. Amen. I preached not long ago about a, uh, that scripture. The Lord dealt with me about it and, I, and, and said, what have you learned? Well, learn something. Amen. Praise God. The Bible said, Paul only said, have you suffered so many things in vain if it yet be in vain? That just kept coming to me and coming to me. And, and I said, Lord, what's going on? And the Lord spoke to me. If I ever heard of God speaking to anybody, the Lord spoke said, what have you learned? That's what I'm trying to ask you. What have you learned? Have you suffered so many things in vain if it yet be in vain? In other words, think back. Reminisce a little bit. Think over those things that you've gone through. You've had some problems. Let them be blessings to you. They don't have to be something that you can move over and feel sorry for yourself about. They can be stepping stones to grow greater and, and greater and more powerful in God if you'll only make a proper application. Have you suffered so many things in vain if it yet be in vain? Somebody said, I just went there, I have no idea why. Well, there has to be a reason. Have you learned anything? I worked down at Buchanan Steel for a long time. Happened to be working in the coal forge, and, and uh, James Kerrigan, they call him Chaz, foreman. I don't think he's even got a heart. <laughs> no, I guess he's a pretty nice guy. He's just not very emotional. And you're supposed to wear gloves any time you handle the cables. And I was handling the cables without gloves. And all of a sudden, there was about five or 6,000 pounds of steel, and it shifted, and the cable slid through my hand and just cut my hand wide open. Red big deep gas. I grabbed it. I looked, blood was running everywhere. Oh, my Lord. Counted my fingers, and they was all there. Well, can't be too bad. I still move them. Everything seems to be intact. So I said, well, go up and get a Band-Aid. Went up to the office, went in there, and I had a handkerchief wrapped around it, and I unwrapped it, and I said, boom, cut my hand. How'd you do it? Oh, the cable. Boom. He said, okay, opened his drawer and got out some bandages and throwed it up there to me. You know what he said? He said, did you learn anything? What he said? I felt like punching him right in the nose. Just for a second. Did you learn anything? You know, does that hurt? Does that hurt? <laughs> Hallelujah. But, uh, he said, did you learn anything? And I thought, boy, just, hmm, kind of butler, man. And here, here I am bleeding. You know, I'm in pain. This guy want to know. What are you trying to do? Be funny? Have I learned? What have you learned? Did you learn anything? And I thought, yeah, I did. And I said, yeah, I learned to wear gloves. He said, right. You see, you can learn something. Man, I'd hate to think that I've gone through everything that I've gone through in life and haven't learned anything. You know what? One of the problems is, you know what? If you flunk, you got to take it over. You can't graduate and continue flunking. If you don't pass algebra, you just got to take it over. Eventually, you're going to learn it or you're going to be a dropout. You know why some folks have to go through the same thing over and over and over and over and over? Because God's trying to teach them a lesson and they haven't learned it yet. So we got to go through the same trial over and over and over. We're getting so tired of going through it. Well, if you got no mercy, he's got plenty of mercy. He's just trying to teach us something, that's all. He wants us to learn a lesson. He 
anything? Have you learned it? Uh, yeah. Have you learned anything? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it yet be in vain, if I suffer, I look at everything I go through anymore. Ever since God talked to me about it, everything I face, if I have a flat tire on a car, I try to figure out what's good about it. What is the lesson that God wants me to learn? If I get sick, I want to know what there is in it for me that I might gain some knowledge by it. Solomon looked at everything and he gained some knowledge by it. He gained wisdom by it. Hallelujah. Everything that we face in life ought to be a stepping stone to, to a greater height in God. That's what I'm trying to tell us tonight. That let's not suffer in vain. That let's let those things that come against us be of some asset to us. Learn the lesson that's there. There's a lesson to be learned in everything that goes on in life. You don't believe that, you're going to suffer a long time. I'm going to say, if you don't believe what I just said, you're going to suffer a long time. Because you're going to keep on suffering and suffering and suffering. Don't suffer in vain. Learn the lesson there is in it for you. Then you can go on and suffer something else, I guess. But you won't have to suffer that one anymore. Because you learn the lesson. When you pass the ninth grade, you don't have to go through it anymore. You pass that one, and you know what? The trials and the tests go on, and they get rougher and tougher all the time. But you know what? I've come to realize that no matter how hard the trial is, that just lets me know that I can go through it. I automatically know when I face a trial or a test, I can go through it. Because if I couldn't, it wouldn't be there. God said he would not put more on anybody than what he could stand. And when I face something and I say this is the roughest trial of my life, I've never seen anything this tough before, I automatically know I must be stronger than I've ever been before in my life. You know why? Because I'm facing something that has never been before me before. It's a hard one. It's a tough one. It's a rough one. But I know by the word of God that I can go through it because God said I could. Hallelujah. And when you fail, you just got to take it over. Everything. Didn't he say it? They can not praise these fiery trials, which are but to try your faith. We're, we're on trial. There's pop quizzes that come along that we don't expect. And sometimes we get these little eerie feelings when the Holy Ghost from the pray. Oh, and we go and tell our wife. We tell our husband. We talk to somebody, our best friend, whoever it might be. And we say, I just got a feeling. Oh, I just got a feeling that I'm getting ready to go through something. I don't know what it is, but I just kind of felt the, the warning in the Holy Ghost. I just got that eerie, creepy feeling that there's something coming against me. And sometimes we're warned. But then sometimes you walk in and you sit down in the classroom. Oh, this whole life is a classroom. This world is a classroom. We're here conditioning ourselves for that great test when we come to the end of life and we face it there. Because I believe it not only takes faith to live by, I believe it takes faith to die by. It takes faith to just to live by faith. It takes faith to live for God. But I want to tell you tonight, it takes faith to die right. Brother, that's the kind of that's the kind of faith that you've never exercised before. Until you face death. Until the death angel come knocking and you see it there it is and you say, Oh, have I got that kind of faith that it takes to die right? There was a man called John the Baptist. Oh yes, 
I didn't know it was going to get on me. My Lord, here we go. That was a man called John the Baptist. And John had lived for God. He was a man of faith. He was a man of great boldness. He'd stand there looking in the white to the eyes. He wouldn't bat an eye. He wouldn't back up. Brother, he said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Why, you generation of vipers? He said, you better repent. Because if you don't repent, you're going to perish. Brother, he didn't care. He wasn't worried. Brother, he was preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He didn't pat nobody on the back and pat him on the head and sugarcoat his sermon and tell him everything's all right. Brother, he said, you're wrong. You're not right. You better repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you want to get in, you got to get in it right. Amen. You know what? He lived right. He lived by faith. He really did. Praise God. He really did live by faith. But you know what they did? They seized him one day because he started preaching some things about the king and the queen and the little princess and all them that was down there at the palace. And he began to get on their toes a little bit. Well, it was getting a little bit close to home then, so they said, well, it's time to shut his mouth. So they grabbed him, seized him, locked him up. Hell yes. And, and there was the was emperor, king, whatever it was, and they said, well, he told us, we're little sweet little thing, said anything you want up to half the ten of you can have. She said, well, the old thing I want that old prophet's head. Just throw it on a platter. And so they got the servants to go out there and get him out of the dungeon and brought him up there. My Lord, and put him in death row. He was in a different cell now. He could look out there and he could see the top block. It wasn't going to be long now. He saw the old man holding this uh, big old blade. It was going to whack his head off. You know what he did? He said, he called for some servants and the disciples of his. He said, come here, I got to talk to you. He said, I want you to go down there and I want you to talk to Jesus. I want you to ask him. You know what happened to him? His face began to get a little shaky. Well, it never had been shaky before. He knew what it, he knew what the message was. He didn't have to wonder or doubt about it. He knew he was preaching the right message. He kept saying there stands one in the midst of us who's true life if I'm not worthy to bow down and loosen. said, he will, he will not make it, but he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Brother, he had faith. He knew what his message was. He didn't stutter. He didn't stammer. He didn't back up. He didn't say maybe. He knew he had the right message. He had confidence. He had genuine faith that what he was doing was right. But, brother, there's just something about it when you face death. There just comes over you that certain something. And if you've got to have a kind of a special kind of faith right then, you've lived right, you've lived the faith. But all of a sudden, you're going to have to have that kind of faith to die right. And he said, go down and ask him if he's the one we're looking for or if there's another one going to come. My Lord, what's the matter with you, John? You've lived by faith. You've preached by faith. Everything you've done has been by faith. Now what's wrong? You're beginning to doubt. And they came to Jesus and they gave the message. And Jesus said, uh, let me just show you something. He healed a few. He done a few of this and a few of that and performed some miracles before their eyes. And he said, now you just go back and tell them what you've seen. Just go back and tell old John what you've seen. He said, tell them the blind are seeing. The, bear, the dumb is, what, is hearing and the lame is walking. He said, just go back and tell them the lepers are cleansed. He said, the blind, oh, yes, receiver said, go back and tell him those things that you've seen. They went back and they told him, and brother, it built that faith in him. He said, now i got the right kind of faith to die. You see, faith seems to take on a different meaning when you face death. It just means more. It's going to take an extra boost of faith. I believe that. If you don't believe it, that's all right. You've never faced death yet. 
When your car goes on the road sometime, I see a slipper, and you face death, and you're just within split seconds from it, all of a sudden you're going to have something grip you, and you're going to have to have that special kind of faith. Some of you have experienced it. You've come within that close of death, and you know that you've got to have that certain touch, that certain faith. John had to have it. It takes faith to live right. It takes faith to just to walk by faith. They should live by faith. But you're going to have to die by faith, too. It takes faith to die sometimes for God. Huh? You know, it takes faith to die for God. Somebody said, well, if you've got faith, God will deliver you. Not always. Sometimes, sometimes the faith that you have will cause you to perish. What do you mean? We're going to perish. We live by faith and then we perish by faith. Yeah. Sometimes. Right, brother going. Sometimes that's the case. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11. Look at what it says here. Amen. Through, through faith, subdued kingdoms. Oh, that was great, wasn't it? They subdued, they conquered kingdoms. Wrought righteousness, my Lord, like old Abraham. Just through faith, he wrought righteousness. Obtained promises that just like Abraham, he believed God and he got the promise. He had a son. Yes, sir. Uh, stopped the mouths of lions, lions like old Daniel. My Lord, he threw faith just, he, you know, he kind of said, well, I said, lions, said, if you think about feasting, you better start fasting because I've come here to stay. Amen. Hallelujah. And they obtained the promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire like the three Hebrew children. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Like valor and fight turned to flight the armies of the aliens. This is what faith done for some of them. But look at here on the other hand what faith done for some of the others. It said the women received the dead raised again. That was remarkable. That was wonderful. But listen to this. And others were tortured against you to see what you're going to do. Now the teacher expects more out of the smartest one in class, don't you? Isn't that right? Isn't that true? The teacher expects more out, and he's our teacher. His name is Jesus, and he is the teacher. If he wasn't, uh, <clears throat> David inquired of the wrong one when he said, Lord, teach me thy way. You really want to know him, David? You really want to know? You want me to teach you something, huh? Sometimes it's a pretty tough lesson to learn. Sometimes God's methods may not be so smooth and so sweet. Amen. But he's a teacher. And when he teaches you, you learn it. That's what it's all about. You ever prayed and say, oh, God, make me stronger? And then all kinds of things start happening. Lord, make me stronger. I want to be like Paul. Do you really? <laughs> Give me the patience of Job, the faith of Abraham, and the wisdom of Solomon. My Lord, you're only one individual. You want all that? Amen. Hallelujah. It's almost like Bible study, but all right. Praise God. You see, have you suffered so many things in vain? You know what God's trying to tell some of you tonight? There are some, now listen, I know a little bit about the Holy Ghost, and God's trying to tell some of you tonight that have been fretting over what you've been going through, that you just learned a lesson and you won't have to go through that no more. 
God wants to deliver you. Learn the lesson that's in it, and he will deliver you from it. Then you'll just go on to something tougher, because <laughs> you've advanced. You've graduated to another harder test, to another higher grade in the Spirit of God. Amen. You spin your wheels every time you fall in a trial or a test. You don't get anywhere. Every time you endure and you come through with victory, you've learned something. I guarantee you, you've learned something. You won't have to go back through that trial or that test anymore because you've learned the lesson that's in it for you. And you can go on. When some folks think when they get the Holy Ghost, they've got, a, they've got the diploma. Boy, look at this. I'm a graduate. No, that's a birth certificate. You just got started. Just been born again of the water of the Spirit. And you just got started. Why, you're just crawling around with diaper on and needing some help right now. Hallelujah. But I guarantee you, one of these days, if you'll endure all the trials and the tests, and if you'll come through with victory and learn all the lessons that there is in life for you to learn, you know what somebody said one time? said, just about the time that you learn enough to really know how to live life, it's all in. Right. Right. Just about the time you've learned enough to really know how to live life successfully and do everything right, you graduated. You passed. You've been delivered from it. It's all over now. You can go on. Praise God. This is just a great big classroom, and we're all here to learn. You know what? You can learn a lot of things the easy way if you'll just listen to the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know what? The fellow that whispers in class and talks in class and sleeps in class and doesn't pay attention and doodles and does everything else and writes notes and figures and draws cars, <laughs> that's what I used to do. He really has a rough time of it. You know why? Because the texture teacher's up there lecturing. Mr. Elbers was one of the greatest there was. History teacher here in Buchanan. Mr. Elbers had him for history teacher. His last, he would, he didn't do it. There was anything special going on. We spent 45 minutes listening to this man lecture. He just, just like college, you get up there and just talk, talk. If you would listen to that man in class, you could pass the test because he wasn't anything ever on the test that he hadn't told you in class. You didn't ever have to read your history book. You didn't have to do nothing. Just listen to that man, and you could pass that course. You know what? We could save ourselves a lot of work and a lot of hard study if we would only pay attention. Amen. Amen. We need to pay attention sometimes. We'll save ourselves a lot of heartache and a lot of grief. Praise God. Listen to the preacher. Listen to the teacher. Listen to the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Have you suffered so many things in vain if it yet be in vain? Think back. Say, oh, wait a minute here. What was there in that that happened to me two or three years ago? Was there something for me to learn in that? Think back. Reminisce. You might still glean a little something from it. So it doesn't have to be in vain, even if it's all over. Think back. You might save yourself some trouble in the future. Amen. So life went down that direction. You see... Sometimes opposition will carry you to a higher place. You see, Lot went down, Abraham went up. Opposition drove Abraham to a higher place. Amen. Praise God. And sometimes, if we'll let God, he'll take us to a place, but you know, sometimes opposition is what carries us there. It really is. Amen. 
Persecution is what spread the gospel throughout the whole land, throughout the whole world. It left its place of origin, it went to Judea and Samaria and under the other most parts of the earth, and it was, it was not an automobile that carried it. It was persecution. It was not that everything was running smooth, and that's why it went all over the world. It was because things got rough. Opposition carried the gospel where it was supposed to go. Persecution did it. Amen. Paul said one time, he said, I just glory in opposition, persecution. He said, I glory in those things because he said, I know that that's what works, patience. And then he said, now, patience, because that'll work uh, uh, godliness. And he said, godliness, now, that'll work brotherly kindness. And he said, now, brotherly kindness, so that'll work charity. And that's what we're all trying to be anyway, is just to be full of the love of God. You know, it takes all these things to bring it about. It really does. It takes all of these things because one works another. One brings it about. It just triggers it all. You know, it's just like setting up dominoes. You flip one over and here they go. One just triggers the other one and you just, it just carries you right to where it's supposed to go. Amen. But if you can't, if you omit one, you'll never go anymore. I said if you omit one thing, you can't travel any farther with God. You can't leave it out. There's no shortcut except the man's travel lawfully. They that just they they just they can't get there. <laughs> you know there's there's just a way to get there, and there just isn't any shortcuts cross. You're going to go the way the Bible has patterned out for us to go. You're not going to get to your place. Amen. In God that you seek. Amen. Amen. Love. That's the whole purpose of this thing, anyway. A lot really didn't do anything that you could actually call wrong. I did it. Now, did he? He was kind of nice about it. Well, what was, what was he doing wrong? Well, he, you really can't say for sure. You see people around the church doing those things. And, you know, the pastor gets kind of uneasy, and he kind of goes and prays for him, and, he, you know, and you really can't put your finger on it. You just, well, I mean, they, have, they haven't actually committed a sin. It's not, it's not like that they've done something wrong, but they just kind of, you can just sense it. They've set a course. They've set their sail. And just, you just feel like they're going in the wrong direction. Amen. And that was what Lot had done. He'd set his, he set his course. He set his sails. And he just seemed to be going the wrong way, just facing that direction. You know, somebody one time said, an old farmer years ago said to his boy, he, and he, he said, son, and he, he saw his boy plowing out there, and he was just, just watching the birds fly, and, he just looking around, just listening, carrying on, kicking clods, no horses going out across the field, and he just wandering along, you know, plowing, and the old furrow was just crooked as it could be. And his dad come out, and he said, son, said, that ain't no way to plow a field. said, stop, said, look back, said, look at that furrow you plowed, said, that thing just crooked down through that. He said, now, that's awful. He said, now, you never seen daddy, you never seen me plow a furrow like that, have you? He said, no, dad's always straight. He said, well, how do you do that, dad? I can't figure it out. He said, just get out there and just plow a straight one. He said, here, I'd get out there and just plow a crooked one. He said, well, son, I'll tell you what to do. He said, you pick out something and you look at it. And you just plow through it. Just watch it and just plow through it. Just don't take your eyes off of it. Pick out something more and just plow right through it. That's the way you plow a straight furrow. He said, oh, yeah, okay, Dad, I got it now. Boy, his dad come back in a little while and still plowing. Man, them furrows just crooked as they can be. It wound up great big old uh, sweeping curves back and forth, big old double F out across the field. His dad come out and said, son, said, that's worse than it was before. 
said, what are you better doing? So I told you to pick out something and look at it and plow to it. He said, Dad, I did. He said, what was he? He said, that cow over there grazing in the field. Well, that cow just wandering around after grazing. He just kept following that cow. You know what you need to do? You need to get your eyes on something solid. Pick out something like an old tree somewhere. Amen. I tell you what's solid. The Word of God has never changed. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. As a matter of fact, Paul said, he said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, I want to tell you, if you want to go anywhere and you want to get there, you know, they tell me the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. If you want to go to heaven, you're going to have to walk on that straight and narrow road. We'll save ourselves all the trouble if we'll keep our eyes on Jesus. He said, straight as the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting, and few to be the pilot. You can't stagger on a, on a narrow road, you'll run the ditch. That's right. But, you know, down at the other end of that road, down there by the gate, brother, Jesus said, I'm the door. Amen. Straight as the gate. I believe if we'll look down there, we'll see Jesus. Don't take your eyes off of him. Just plow on. Amen. Keep your eyes on him. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, said, let, look not to the left, look not to the right, but said, let thine eyes look right on. We need to keep our eyes set right on Jesus. Somebody said, right on. We got scripture said, right on. Hallelujah. Keep your eyes on Jesus and just plow right on. Yeah. No use looking back. That's dangerous. I used to walk looking back. I'd run into all kinds of things. It's dangerous. You run into trees. You run into people. You do a lot of crazy. You fall down. There's a lot of silly things happens to you. You know what? Some folks are always having an awful time because they keep looking back. Looking back. Looking back. And they're always a threat to the way about what's behind them. Forget the past. That's what Paul said. He He lived up there. He lives up there beside Brother Brother uh, Sunday, Brother Roger. That poor fellow. He's always hurting his head. He, they tell me he broke his arm or leg or something again recently. Is that right? My, I tell you, you heard of people that was accident prone. This fellow's his own worst enemy. He don't nobody ever hurt him. He hurts himself. That's true. Real nice guy, but he's always hurting himself. And uh, really. It's, you know, I feel sorry for him, but, he, but he's his own worst, worst enemy. He needs to tie himself up somewhere, you know, so he won't get away and get hurt. But, <laughs> you know, sometimes we're that way. We, we bring things on ourselves through our own ignorance and our own stumbling. Amen. Praise God. And, uh, you know, constantly looking back, you're not going to walk very straight. You're going, to, you're going to suffer a lot of bruises on the shin and a, and a lot of headaches when you turn around and bam, there's a tree. There's a lot of silly things going to happen to you if you keep looking back. We've all made mistakes. We've all got past failures. But just don't worry about them. There's not anything you can't recall them. There's not anything you can do about them now. Let's just turn our eyes on Jesus and start on. Why, after all, today is the beginning of the rest of your life anyway. Right. 
Hallelujah. You woke up this morning, it was, a, it was the beginning of the rest of your life. Amen. Start every day fresh and new, like it's the last one you've got. And don't try to borrow from yesterday because there's not anything to take from it. Amen. It'll help you as far as, uh, you know, right now. As a matter of fact, you can keep your mind on yesterday so much you can't even do anything now. Amen. You can't borrow. Somebody said, well, boy, you don't have no time except the time you've got right now. You can't, the sand, you know, the sand drops through the hourglass just one grain at a time. Oh. Say, man, look, there's a whole bunch of sand left in there, but just dropping through one at a time. That's all there is, is that one that's dropping through there right now. The only time you've got that grain of sand dropping through right now, that's the only one you can do anything with. That's the reason the book of James tells you not to boast yourself against tomorrow. Not to say, well, I'm going to go and do this and I'm going to do that. But he said, say this, if the Lord will, I will. Amen. You know why? Because you better be careful what you say you're going to do tomorrow. Amen. Because the only time you've got that, that grain of sand dropping through there right now. Amen. Praise God. But you see, opposition sometimes is the greatest asset there is in this life for you. You know, there's a worm that comes out of its cocoon. It goes in, it weaves a little cocoon for itself. This is supposed to be true. I read this somewhere. And uh, it says that, that uh, this, goes, this caterpillar gets in there, and then it makes a beautiful uh, bug. Well, there was a fellow one time that happened to see one that was struggling, trying to get out of its cocoon. Some type, it was either a moth or it was a butterfly, one or the other. Something was in that cocoon trying to get out. And he thought, well, it's struggling. He watched it for a long time, and it just struggled and struggled and struggled. And he thought, well, now this is awful. You know, he said, I'm going to help that poor creature to escape from its prison. So he took a razor blade. He took a razor blade, and he sliced very carefully on the cocoon and he allowed that creature to go free without any struggle. It only struggled for a little while. It looked like it had a lot of struggle left. It looked like it might not ever get out. But you know, he went against what was nature's way of bringing it out. What had God had provided for that thing to get out of its cocoon. And he took the razor blade and cut very diligently and he allowed it to escape from its prison. And he took it and he stood it down. And he thought, well, fly. Come on, fly. But it creeped around very carefully, very slowly. It couldn't fly. He looked at it very carefully thought, well, I, I didn't cut it anywhere with a razor blade. I, I didn't harm it. I didn't wound it. And then somebody came along and began to talk to him, somebody that knew all about these insects. And he said, I helped this creature to escape from its prison and said, it won't even fly. And someone said, you've ruined it. It'll never fly. It'll never fly. You know why it won't ever fly? Because it has to work and struggle for a long time to get itself out of that mess that it's in. And through all of that struggle, it develops the muscle that it takes for it to fly. And if you don't allow people to struggle and work themselves out of the mess they're in, you're not doing them a favor at all. If you're constantly trying to help somebody along and help somebody along and coach them along and baby them along and help them along and pamper them along, you're not really helping them at all. You're hindering them. They will never learn to fly. They'll never have enough strength to fly because you 
of yourself. Whether you believe it or not, it's the truth. There comes a time you got to help them. you got to help those babies. you got to help along. you got to nurse them. you got to baby them. you got to pamper them. you got to take care of them. But there comes a time when you're going to have to let them do some things for themselves that they never learned. They're going to have to follow down a few times. They're going to have to touch a few hot stoves. They're going to have to do a few things on their own. They're going to have to burn a few times and suffer a few times before they'll ever learn. I'm telling you tonight, you better let some people alone and let them learn the lessons that God has for them to know. Because it's going to take opposition to get you to heaven, and if you never go through anything, you're never going anywhere. You may not like this tonight. This is probably not the most popular message in the world. And I know I'm not doing a very good job at it, probably. But I'll tell you one thing that's burning inside of me. If I could just preach them like I get them. Lord, it'd be, it'd be good. I get it good. I just have a, you know, it's me. It's not the Lord. It's not the Lord of the message. It's just the messenger. He's having a hard time with it. But tonight I'm telling you that opposition, amen, that struggle that you have sometimes to free yourself from those trials and tests and go on is the greatest blessing that could ever be bestowed upon you. You set a course, and then you don't change your mind when you're convinced in your heart by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God that it is that way of righteousness. Lot set a course that carried him down to almost total destruction. Didn't he? I'm telling you tonight that when that thing was over, Lot had learned some lessons. I guarantee you, if you could resurrect Lot and talk to him now, he'd learn some things. Set yourself a course in the direction of God and the promises of God. And I don't care what winds blow, they will carry you. They will actually carry you to it. Let me read this to you. One ship drives east and another drives west with the self-same winds that blow. Tis the set of the sails, and not the gales, which tells us the way they go. Like the waves of the sea or the waves of fate, as we voyage along through life, tis the set of the soul which decides its goal, and not the calm or the strife. Isn't that funny? One ship goes east and another one goes west, and they wave at each other as they go by. But the same wind is carrying both ships. You learn how to set your sails, you can actually sail your ship against the wind. And the wind that is opposing you will actually carry you to your destination. That's what I'm trying to, been getting, trying to get to tonight. Through all this is that opposition, if you set your sail right, will carry you through and on to heaven. Some folks want to make excuses why they can't live for God's sake, well, the wind's blowing against me. Set your sail right, and that same wind that blows against you 
will carry you on against it. You can go west against the wind that blows east if you set your sail right. Let's stand. I don't want to ever hear your excuses. Brother Deed's tired of them. God's tired of them. You've run out of excuses tonight of why you can't ever do anything for God. Why you can't ever do anything right. Or why you can't live for God. Because of the problems that I face, I just can't make it. You can make it. They'll help you make it. You'll let them. Why do I have to preach like that? Why can't I be sweet? Praise God. I love you. I really love you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sister Luke, let those winds blow against us. We'll just set our sails. We'll just, we'll just make the necessary adjustments and alterations and say, Lord, let them blow. They'll just carry us on to where we want to go. Amen. Praise God. There's a lot of folks make a lot of excuses. That's wrong with getting married. One fellow said, well, I'm married, you know. I can't serve the Lord. I can't go. There's nothing wrong with that. Take your wife with you. Amen. And the Lord, you know, he gave that little illustration. He said, well, he said, you know, he invited them to come. And one said, well, you know, I bought a, I bought a yoke of oxen. He said, you know, I just, I just can't because I have to go prove them. You know, I haven't even seen them yet. I've bought them tight unseen. Paid a good price for them, too. That's ridiculous. Nobody's that silly. Just excuse, that's all it was. Flimsy. And it's just, and yours, some of yours are just as flimsy. Well, you know, if my husband would trick me a little better, I could serve the Lord. Somebody tells me I can't anymore, it just makes me determine I'm going to. I'm stubborn now. Somebody said, you can't do that. I'll show you I can. The devil come along and said, you'll never make it. And I said, spit in his eyes, I said, devil, you're a liar. I'm going to show you. didn't make sense, did it? One of the greatest, strongest motivating forces that ever came against you, well, sure, it can only carry you on. Well, we read it. We quoted it to you. You can do nothing against the truth before the truth. Every wind of opposition that ever blowed against the truth carried it on to its destination. Every wind of opposition that ever blows against you, if you will set your sails right, it will only carry you on to your destination. Make up your mind tonight. Lord, I'm, I'm altering my sails. I'm setting this thing so it'll carry me. I don't care what comes. I don't care what goes. I don't care what wind blows. I'm going on. I'm sailing on, Lord. I'm sailing on. Praise God. I'm going to leave it with you tonight. I'm going to turn it over to Brother Witt. And uh, if you feel like tonight that you need to come down here, you need to talk to God about something, you need to make it right, 
Some of you tonight ought to feel ashamed of yourselves. Shame on you. Making those silly excuses. Say, who are you, brother? Say, Brother English, you know who you're talking to? Well, not all together. What I've done tonight is kind of like that archer, you know? <laughs> the Bible didn't say that the messenger was a discerner of the... No, the word of the Lord is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. Pierces deep for the dividing asunder joint and wire, soul and spirit, and is a discerner. The thought and the intent of the heart. Not the preacher, the word is. I don't always know who I'm preaching to, but I guarantee you if the word is an honor of the Holy Ghost, it knows where it's going. God said he wouldn't send it out void, but it would accomplish that which he sent it forth to do. Amen. There was a man one time, a king, disguised himself. He dressed somebody else up to look like the king. He just dressed himself up like one of them little fresh recruits out of just fresh out of boot camp. He went out there in the battlefield. He said, I'm going to deceive them. They're going to kill that other fellow, and I'll go free. They don't want me. They want him. <laughs> you know what? There was an archer over. God knows where you're at. I said, God knows where you're at tonight. You can't hide behind somebody back there. God knows where you're at. And this little old fellow out there, he just got panicky. Woo! He just ran and screaming. He reached boy and he grabbed the arrow. And he just shot that thing, not at anybody, just in the air. That's what I've done tonight. I haven't shot at anybody. I've just thrown it in the air. Just shot it out there in the air. <laughs> and it went. I just left it up to God. I just shot the arrow. I didn't aim it. I just shot it. I just put it in the air, pulled it from the quiver, put it in the bow, and drew back and let it go. That arrow was shot, but you know what that arrow did? It left the bow of that archer, and it went straight to that man, uh, that king. And it stuck between his shoulder blades, and he fell dead. You know why? Because the archer didn't know where he was, but God knew where he was. And the arrow found him. And I guarantee you tonight there are people here that feel condemnation, and you feel conviction in your heart. You know why? Because the arrow of God has found you this night. Some of you feel convicted. You feel ashamed. You feel remorse. You say, well, I don't know. I... You need to come and you need to seek God tonight. You need to seek God tonight. Because the archer's arrow has found Why don't you come tonight? You won't have to struggle anymore. Just ask the Lord to show you how to make some alterations in the sails. He'll teach you. He'll teach you how to sail your ship. Praise God. Amen. Let's bow our heads right now. Genesis 13 and 7, verse 